Welcome to the Magic Potion Podcast, where a sprinkle and a dash can enhance your class. Listen to learn about tools, techniques, and stories from educators on ways to improve your lessons, create a positive culture, and much more. I'm your host, Kevin Reinemann, and now it's time to make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Magic Potion EDU podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode where I have Dr. Joe Sanfilippo with me talking about being a hacker of leadership. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things today. Really excited to share them with you. And Joe, if you could, let's start it off with uh, introducing yourself, letting everyone know your background in education and uh, how you got to where you are. Oh man, we, I, that's going to take up the whole podcast, Kevin. Like, I think we'll just kind of go with, I, I've always had uh, the desire to to help people and lead as much as I could. And and that's just kind of pushed me into different opportunities here. I started teaching um, second grade and fifth grade, and I was a, a, a elementary school counselor and I coached at the high school. And then I was an elementary principal for a while. And then I was an uh, elementary principal and superintendent for a while. And then now I'm a superintendent and I've been doing this for the last, uh, 10 years now. This is my 10th year in the superintendent role. So it's been a journey. It's been fun. Certainly has been interesting recently, but, um, but, uh, it's, it's always, always been great to, to be able to hopefully help people, but at the same time, just be inspired by the people that we have in this building. And somehow you just made it a full minute without saying go crickets. I did. Right. That's right. That's crazy that to think about that, but uh, I'm sure there will be other opportunities to shout out about the, the great people in fall Creek, Wisconsin, and, and I'll never, never short of, uh, of content when it comes to what's happening in this place, but we are definitely proud of our crickets without question. Yes. And that is one of the uh, things you're widely known for is your one minute walk to school and uh, giving that great feedback and tidbits each day. So, uh, and there we go. That's a little bit of fatherhood there. Um, I hit the (laughs) mute button really quick because the promise of being quiet in the next room over is not turning out to be the promise. That's the way that's what happens, man. All the time. That's what, yes. you know, it's, and you can't, well, you, you can't plan for everything, man. You gotta be, and you gotta no. be present with the, with everybody that's in your space. So absolutely not a problem at all. And, and it's, you know, I might get a little flustered and stuff, but then you gotta just hit the pause button and realize they're, they're not going to be this little forever. So gotta right. enjoy. It. I'll be able to listen to this podcast five, six, seven, 20 years from now and giggle about it. So it's all good. Right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, how many years have you, has your career, what year are you on now? Oh man. Uh, so this would be year 24. Wow. I just had, uh, um, uh, Chris Woods daily stem on yesterday and he was right around that same 24 mark as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, um, it goes fast and it's been, uh, it's been wonderful. I mean, I've, I, this is the best place I've ever been. I've been to a lot of really great places, but I've, but, uh, the, the, the group in Fall Creek is is extremely special. The school board is phenomenal and the community is very uh, in, in helpful and involved. And our teachers, I mean, it's really, um, I think everybody, anybody that you talk to says they have great teachers. But, uh, you know, when I say it, it's true. So no, <laughs> we, <laughs> we just have really great people that are that are doing so much beyond what they had, you know, signed up for when they started into this career. So. Uh, it's just been fun to watch them increase their capacity over time as well. 
So you've worked with quite a few new teachers over the years then, I'm sure yeah, throughout yeah. your, your uh, two dozen years in the career. Mm-hmm. So are there things you notice like of those fresh out of college, brand new teachers that you can just look at them and know that they're going to be special when they get out there in their career? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there are a couple ways that you can notice that it's not even just with new teachers, but it's across the board. It's like it, when people have command of the space, if that means that it's command of the space with kids, command of the space with adults. I mean, when, when you know that you're in a room with someone that, uh, is going to be gravitated towards, um, then, you know, you're in, in the presence of something that's really, really special and kids are going to gravitate to that too. So we, we have, um, I, I love, I love seeing, you know, new teachers grow into that role, but it's really, it, you know, it's fantastic to see when they come out and they can, you know, uh, command just that space and make sure that people know that, um, you know, not, not know that they're there, but know that they're there to help them. And I think those are definitely two different things. So, um, you know, it's not just about commanding the space and being in charge. It's about commanding the space and knowing that people will gravitate towards you because they know you can help them. Yeah. And I think my, my next question kind of gets split off with that as well, too, which is what's the difference between good teachers and amazing teachers? And I, I think something that we also need to think about is that amazing teachers aren't always school leaders. You know, sometimes amazing teachers just want to stay to themselves and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but at the same time, school leaders can also be bad leaders. Oh yeah. hundred percent. can go either direction. Yeah. Um, so what's the difference between a good teacher and an amazing teacher? Uh, the consistency without question, because uh, good teachers can have amazing lessons and amazing teachers can have good lessons, but the amazing teachers have more amazing lessons than they have good lessons. And it comes from knowing where the kids are and making sure that you can meet kids needs both academically and emotionally in the space that they're currently in. And amazing teachers know how to do that with all of their kids. And, um, you know, I, I, it just, that comes with consistency and, you know, I, I think it's the same thing with leaders though. Like leaders can have a great meeting, a great process put together. And that process can last a month or, uh, you know, six weeks. And then all of a sudden they're on to something else. And everybody that has kind of gone with them along that journey for six weeks is then all of a sudden is thinking, well, what, what, what just happened? Why is everything changing right now? Everything was going really well. And, and at that point you have to really consider like, what's, what's, uh, what's the, you know, what's the process look like for consistency moving forward. So, I think the best leaders in the world are able to listen well and listen to understand rather than listen to respond. And I think teachers are in the same spot. And if you can do that consistently, you're going to find yourself in that conversation of, of, uh, of amazing teacher or leader. And I find myself uh, kind of going with that consistency that you're talking about where I feel that I'm consistent with everything, with everything I do, but I feel like I also, um, I struggle to say no sometimes or most times, Hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that? And, you know, I end up stretching myself too thin and I think our teachers can end up doing that as well too. Um, so I guess that's just a personal thing I need to work on is being able to say no. (laughs) I think that's a big issue for a lot of people, Kevin, honestly. And I think what people have to understand 
is that when you continue to say yes to everything, then you can't give your best to everything. And then you become less of a leader, less of a, you know, have less of an influence than if you would have just said no. People understand if you say no, because you have, you know, other things going on. If you can tell them what's going on and why you don't feel like you can give your full, you know, effort to this spot because it's taking away from something else that you do, you're almost more likely to be, um, to be, you know, um, looked at differently if you take on too much and can't do it all. So, you know, you have to, you have to think about what the end goal is. If the end goal is to help people the best that you can, then you have to be, you have to be able to say no to some things or from a leadership standpoint, be able to delegate those things. And I think a lot of times as lead, as when I first started out, I wanted to do everything myself because I knew how I wanted it done. So if I wanted it done a certain way, I figured, you know, I'd, I'd just do it because it was easier for me to do it than it was to have some to teach somebody how to do it and not have it done the way that I wanted. And what I really what I didn't realize at the time is that is a completely arrogant perspective of what's going on, because that is just saying to everybody else, A, I don't trust you and B, it has to be done my way or it's not going to look good. So I really had to get past that because otherwise it was just me doing all the work on my own and not really, you know, bringing anybody in. And then when things didn't get done, it was, well, why didn't they get done? Well, it didn't get done because I had too much on my plate because I refused to delegate something because I didn't think it was going to be done the way that I wanted to. And what I found out was when I started delegating and trusting people, it ended up being done a lot better than I would have anticipated at first. Yeah, that's wow. That's all about the angle of perspective there, because yeah. I can say that I've done the exact same thing is, you know, I can teach somebody how to do a Google form, but it's quicker for me to just do it myself. So right. I, I've stumbled onto that where, OK, yeah, I'll just go ahead and do that real quick. But then that takes me away from another project that I need to be doing on. So um, it's that lead a teach a man to fish versus leading a man. Right. Or I think I just completely butchered that there. But <laughs> hopefully you know where I was going with that. Oh, man. All right. So the, uh, I've got a special request question from one of my coworkers, um, for the listeners. Um, I actually got to meet Joe down at the FETC future of education technology conference. Uh, I was down in Miami in January of 2020. That was not miserable. No, I mean, it was awesome. What a great opportunity there. It was just such a fantastic trip and a great, what a wonderful, wonderful conference. Oh, yeah, that one is awesome. And they are going to be uh, virtual this year, much like everything else at the uh, end of January. I feel like it's the 26th, 27th and 8th. And this year they're doing it completely free. So anybody that wants to hop in and hear from amazing leaders, um, there's your chance to get some quality PD little plug there for Jen Womble and the LRP crew that put on that fantastic uh, conference. Are you doing anything with them this year? Uh, no, I'm, I did uh, just a quick hello, but I'll be back with them uh, hopefully in 2022. Yeah, they were just fantastic. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And they'll be back in Orlando at that point in time, yeah. which heading out of our snowy areas in January for anywhere in Florida is fantastic. It's a win, yeah, no matter what. That's um, right. So while I was down there in Miami, I sat in on your session, which was on uh, hacking leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, I forget the exact question you posed to the audience, but it was something about highlighting one of the awesome things one of your coworkers mm-hmm. does in your school. And 
lo and behold, I'm all, all of a sudden standing up in front of the entire audience talking about my coworker and the awesome things she does as a principal with her teachers. And as I look over, you have your cell phone out. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Oh man, I'm being recorded. And then you turned around and you sent it to her. And that's something that it was very, very meaningful mm-hmm. to, to her Good. to hear from, you know, somebody applauding her. Cause that's something that we don't do on a daily basis. We forget to say thank you and say, Hey, you're doing a great job. So many times it's just that negative feedback that people get. So mm-hmm. thanks for opening my eyes to that and yeah, remembering no to do that. Um, so you know, the question, here's had, the, here's the thing though about that, Kevin, that I think that people need to understand is that like people, you know, it's any opportunity that you have to really make sure that people know the impact that they're having on you is truly important because it makes you feel better. It makes them feel better. And then, you know, we can get on with our lives. But it's a lot of times people will tell me, well, you know, Joe, it's the thought that counts. It's the thoughts. And I'm just like, well, it's not. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> it's not the thought that counts. It's the action on the thought that counts. So what are you doing with the action on that thought to make sure that people know and understand that you care about them? And if you can put yourself in a position to um, continuously talk about the great things that your coworkers are doing, there's a better chance for those coworkers to feel like they have value, not only with you, but for the people that you talk to. So just a little aside on that. It's not always just the thought that counts. It is the actions and stuff as well. So thoughts are good and everything, but Mm -hmm. we need to step up and do the great, amazing things that we say we're going to do. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I've noticed that I will come up with these ideas that I think are great, but the follow through isn't necessarily there to, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. Right. So you got to figure out what what works best for you and how you can make sure that that moment moves forward to whoever you're trying to get it to. So, so um, could you give some examples of like realistic goals that teachers can set as we're, as we're recording this now, it's right before Christmas. So when this comes out, it's going to be right at the start of the new semester. So, Mm -hmm realistic goals that teachers can set for the new year heading into no more 2020. It's now 2021. Thank you. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think what, I, what I've been telling people is I don't think you should adjust your goals because of the current situation that we're in. in. In that, we should still have high expectations for staff and high expectations for students. But I think you have to figure out a different path to that understanding and or to that goal. And the other thing that we've talked about, we spend a lot of time here talking about that the, the goal, you know, you can set the goal, but the, the gold is actually in the process. And so what are we doing in the process to make sure that you can, if you don't attain the goal at the level that you had hoped to attain the goal, did you learn from the process that gets you there? So we do our, we continue to do our, our passion project uh, PD here, where we allow people to just pick what they want to learn and get better at what they want. And at the beginning of the year, people were really concerned that it was going to be one more thing on their plate. And, and we just, ask them to really, uh, we can't, we're not going to get rid of it because, we, you know, if we're going to lead learning organizations, we need to lead learning in those organizations. So in doing that, you just need to adjust the process to get you there when it comes to the goal that you have. So for us, it was really about making sure that the goals continued to be part of what what was, um, you know, important around here, but focus more on the process than the end, you know, uh, 87% of students, students will score at X, Y, or Z. And really think about how are you meeting the emotional needs of kids when it comes to um, being here or being at home or whatever the case. And if we can 
if we can set goals around making sure that kids are emotionally stable, emotionally uh, invested and engaged, then, you know, you can have a secondary academic goal, but you really want to make sure that kids are engaged in the process. And what are you doing to engage kids in the process throughout? And then that leads to a, they want to be at school. They're engaged in the classroom. They're being active participants, all because you've met that baseline of uh, meeting their needs and, and what they need to feel comfortable then. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you're talking about doing the genius hour 20% time, I'm thinking to myself how I've done that with students. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, I haven't done it with teachers through PD or anything. So I wonder if they had the same problem that my students had in which they didn't really understand the concept and they struggled to go, well, what, what should I do for my project? Right. And, yeah. and explaining that it should last the entire semester and one day a week, you're going to be able to focus all your energy on this. So it shouldn't just be something you can do in 20 minutes. Um, so what have the teachers gone and done? Yeah, we, we found ourselves kind of in a very similar situation, but we've been, you know, we've been doing this for six years now, I think. And oh, wow. for, yeah, for the first two years, we've, we've kind of got that same reaction. Like, well, you just tell me what I'm supposed to do and then I'll do it. And then I'll, <laughs> it'll be good. And, and we'll, and we'll go on to the next one. And what we found was that we really wanted to make sure that we were giving them not only choice in doing it, but at the same time, valuing the journey as they started. So it was, so there was a, there was a lot of teachers that I shouldn't say a lot. There, you know, there was, there are people here that were like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, is this going to be a good goal? Do you think this goal is a good goal? And my answer every time was, well, do you think it's a good goal? Because if you feel like you want to invest in it, then do it. And I told the thing that we that we really um, wanted to make sure that people understood was that um, it's got to have some meaning. It's got to have some autonomy and it's got to have choice. So if it's got meaning, autonomy and choice, then you'll be able to move forward with it. So the, the meaning is, is it going, do you feel, do you believe that's going to make you a better person, teacher, whatever the case may be? Autonomy is really about making sure that you have, um, you have some time to really invest and dive in personally on a level that you wouldn't normally have. So are we giving you some autonomy to do that? So you're not always invested in the group setting stuff that we have to get done from a mandate perspective. And the last thing was really, about uh, the choice to participate in what that really looks like. So if, if you could, um, if, if we could give them the opportunity uh, to choose to be part of that conversation, more often than not, they chose to be part of that conversation. So those things really helped the process along the way because they felt more invested in it if they, um, if it felt like it was meaningful to them, if it, if it felt like they had some autonomy into choosing what they wanted to do, and if there was a choice invested in, in, in them wanting to do it. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, well, if I were one of your teachers, what would I choose? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think I would probably go towards, if you're going to give me this time to specifically focus on something, I would probably be doing something along the lines of uh, gamification or learning yeah. more about that and trying to figure out how I can fully incorporate that in my classroom. Right. Um, being able to have that time to just dedicate to reading books by some phenomenal authors out there mm-hmm. that, uh, that I, I love what you're doing there. That gives that. And I bet the buy-in is the, the teachers enjoy having that time. I would hope. Um, 
Of course, well, we it always we've had, uh, since we've done this, since we've done it, we've started. I mean, we did it. We give a survey at the end of every year just to ask them, mm-hmm. is this something that does this process make you a better teacher? Or do you believe that this process makes you a better teacher? And it's simply a yes or no question. And since we've been doing it, it's never gone below 94 percent. Yes. Wow. So, yeah. So we, wow. they're invested. And that has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them getting some ownership of learning. And you don't yeah. even have to police it as a as an administrator because they take care of each other on this because they don't want it to go away. So if people aren't doing it the way that with the vigor, you know, or I'm sorry, the rigor that 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 they would have, you know, wanted, I don't even have to say word one about it. Like they get a chance to do it on their own. That's phenomenal. And how often are you giving them? Is it like one PD day a month or something that they're working on this? No, it's usually for for a year. So we do a quarterly year quarterly. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, it's December now. Big question. Why do we choose to live where it snows? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you just I, uh, I don't even know. Well, I've my uh, my wife's family is is from here in northern, you know, northern Wisconsin. And um and we're uh we're kind of tied there but at the same time i'm i make fun of the snow and the cold i hate the cold i hate it the snow i can get through because when I, I when i shovel it at least i know i accomplish something and there's days that i don't feel like i accomplish anything at school even though i feel like i'm working really hard and when i can shovel snow at least i know i got something got done so that's not the worst but the cold is once it hits minus 40 i want to be like this is like the dumbest thing i've ever heard of in my life so um, Ouch. yeah i would i would say that we i choose to be here because uh my family likes it here and i like my family and <laughs> so yeah. that's the way that it works oh man I, I it's not very often we get minus 40 and if we do minus 40 it is definitely a wind chill not a yeah. true minus 40 right and yeah we're the buses aren't running or anything like that at that point right so bundle up get your hot chocolate and enjoy a netflix day or yeah. something yeah, it's it kind of crazy real quick so oh. so um i'm really wondering to see what happens with you know all these schools that have been uh, virtual this year um you know, we've been lucky at the school where I work at. We've been face to face the entire time. Knock on wood. Um, we've had people quarantining here and there, but we've been able to keep our social distance, wear our masks, do things the way that the health department's been suggesting we do them, and we've been very fortunate in that regard. But if schools would have had a snow day that were virtual, are they giving the time off to those kids, or are they still expected to work because they aren't really affected by that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it kind of depends on where you go. I think that we're, we're in this spot, like we're trying to try to keep things as normal as we possibly can for kids. Um, and you know, some of those things are, are, it's, it's important to at least have some, you know, traditional things that, that they've done in the past. Snow days would be one of those things. Like we're still going to have snow days, but you know, it, it's because I think kids just need that first of all, everybody needs a break, you know, that's not yeah. a scheduled break, but at the same time, there's also, you know, um, a, a, an opportunity to just kind of build some social capital with people around and not expect them to keep continuing to work and work and work, you know, even though they can. So I don't know what's going to happen in the long run, but as long as we can give them, uh, at least some semblance of a normal, um, you know, school experience, I think we have to do that. And have you guys, are you currently hybrid, remote, face-to-face, a little bit of A, B, and C? 
Yeah, a little What's bit of both. A little bit of everything. So we got our elementary kids are in our middle school, high school are in an A B model. Gotcha. All right. Well, um, as I've brought back uh, the the show here, uh, something new that's going on is taking a spin on the magic potion wheel. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to spin the wheel, and it's going to land land ha land on one of the words from the magic acronym: motivate, assess get out there, integrate, and calm. So we'll see what it is and whatever it lands on. I want to hear your spin on what that word means to you. So here we go. Oh, the letter M. Motivate. M. Motivate. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. So what does the word motivate? Oh, coming from a leader of a school district. <laughs> this should be a good one. So what is it? Is it the question? What does it mean to me or, or what? Like, Yeah. So for it? example, um, the, the, when I came up with the acronym magic potion, the M stepped for motivate. And that goes back to my background as being a co- wrestling coach, baseball, golf, esports coach, and, you know, setting goals and motivating my athletes to reach that end goal. And I feel that that should really be brought into the classroom as well. So we need to motivate our students and we also need to motivate ourselves, which also goes into finding your why and your passions. So that's what motivate means to me. What about you? What does motivate when you're working with yourself or with teachers or with students? Uh, I think the motivation is finding a way to get past well i'm trying to think of the best way to to say it without sounding too like um like you know uh platformy or sounding too like um you know here's here's the quote go ahead and take it but i think motivation (laughs) to me is always about finding another level and finding another level comes in making sure that it that it has meaning to you so when i try to motivate people i think uh, what i try to understand is I'm just part of their journey and all I want to do is help in any way that I can. So the thing that I tell our group is that when you're talking about kids, you're talking about adults, whatever the case may be, what we need to really, you know, talk about is that everybody's A to B is different and nobody moves to B if you don't value where their A is. So when it comes down to motivation, we always try to value people's A first. So that gives them the opportunity to move to B. So my my motivation for them would be to make sure that they know that where they start has value. And I, I may not know their story of how they started, but I do have to value where they started before I start asking people to move. Yeah, you got to have that foundation of knowing how they got to where they were to to be able to kind of help scaffold almost and, and develop that plan, kind of like I was saying with, with coaching of set that goal and, and create the ladder to help them climb up it to get to the end goal for the entire school community. Nice. I like that a lot. I'm going to go back and listen to that about 15 times before <laughs> I go to bed tonight. <laughs> so... um Okay. So another one of the letters in there is I for integrate. And originally when I came up with it, I was not in the classroom. Um, No, I was in the classroom for four years. I became the director of tech at the school I'm at. And then last year uh, I was asked to go back in the classroom, do kind of a dual role type thing. Okay. And in that six, how many years was it? I don't know, six or eight years, whatever it was, 
there were a lot of things that I forgot about teaching and mm-hmm. like how much extra energy goes into it because it's not a nine to five job, right? Well, it's not a seven to three job. <laughs> There's so many things after hours with the lesson playing, the grading, all that other type of stuff. So originally my eye was just integrating technology to, uh, you know, capitalize on engaging, enhancing and uh, extending lessons. Mm-hmm. Now I, I've moved into being in the classroom and seeing kids in action again and that integrate should mean um, other content areas as well. So if a kid doesn't like technology class, but they love social studies class, how can I bring social studies into my technology class to help get that right. student there? Right. Yeah. So um, that being said, I am an ed tech guy still at heart. So mm-hmm. I have to ask, what is your go-to tech tool as an administrator or what tech tool do you recommend for teachers that are currently in the remote or hybrid setting? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the hmm, that's a really good question because I think the platforms change consistently and, oh, yeah. you know, we, we, we don't really talk too much about plat about platform as we do about process because we want to make sure that the process is if you're using Twitter, or if you're using Instagram or if you're using Seesaw or you're using, um, you know, whatever, whatever you're using that the process needs to remain the same. So you can, you know, go between platforms if you if you can i would say any live streaming app that allows you to bring people from outside into the space has been really important for us and from uh, live streaming our our um events to you know basketball games to concerts and everything that's really changed the way that people have have perceived our school so i would say that 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 would be the place to start and then are you using it in the classrooms then as well, too? I For like if a kid is quarantined, using Zoom to get them in at the same time, too? That's what uh, no, not 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 synchronously, because we just, okay. I just have a hard time with, you know, the uncertainty of what happens in that space. And I would hate to have uh, something happen inadvertently. And that turns into the story that's going on. And uh, we don't want that. And I think there's enough, you know. HIPAA violations that could happen in that space. So we try to, we, we have, um, you know, we do bring kids in, uh, from time to time if we have to, if they're, if, if it's a day or, or an event or something like that, but on a regular basis, we don't do that. So. Okay. Okay. So, um, as we're winding down here and wrapping things up question, I ask every single person that's on the show. Um, you know, one of the other things I do is I work with pre-service teachers, okay. uh, teaching some educational technology undergrad classes. So I love getting feedback for these pre-service teachers. So if you are traveling back in time and mm-hmm. talking to Joe 25 years ago, getting ready to get into that classroom for the mm-hmm. first time, what advice do you have for yourself or for free future teachers that you didn't necessarily learn when you were in college? Yeah, you don't know everything. Just be yeah. aware of that. <laughs> like you don't, and that, that like, not only do you not know everything, but you don't have to. And if you don't ask for help and you don't really take in what's around you, if you're going to have a couple problems. And the first problem that you're going to have is if you think you know everything and you tell everybody that you have, that you know everything, then when you need help, you're not going to get it because you're going to be pushed away by the people in that space. If you are willing to contribute in some capacity, ask questions and listen, 
um, then you'll develop some social capital. And then at that point, you can get invested with people as you move forward. So you don't know everything and that's okay. But if you're, if you're pre-service teacher, where you're before you even get into the field, if you're doing, um, if you're doing your, 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 your teaching, you know, getting your hours and everything like that, the advice that I would give to you in that moment is be sure to make connections with as many people as you can. And I will tell you unequivocally that if I'm, if I get a, um, if, if we get somebody straight out of, uh, school uh, and they've done their student teaching in a place that I know where that student teaching was done, I don't just ask the teacher how, how the, um, you know, how the student teacher was. I asked the secretary and I asked the principal and I asked the custodian. Everybody has a, as value in that spot and how you treat everybody, uh, could be the, you know, make or break when it comes to you working in our district. Wow. That's awesome and powerful and maybe slightly intimidating, but yeah. that's, that's as a leader of a school, you, you want that input on what to expect of that, that new person coming in. And then that also gives you, you know, going back to where you're, you're talking about how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. And if there are any issues that allows you to work with them right off the bat there. Yeah. So, and, and you want to make sure that your social media is cleaned up too. So, cause if you're social, cause we do a, a deep social media dive, um, just to make sure that, you know, you know, if you have something in, in your social media feed that we shouldn't see, we're not the only ones that are going to see it. And right. we'd hate to hire you. And then all of a sudden you as the second grade teacher, um, you know, the parent in your class comes up to you in between, you know, at the bus stop and says, Hey, look at you on the bar, you know, and this is, you look like you're having a really good time. And then yeah. that, then you got to deal with that. So just make sure that you have a professional, uh, look when you come into the space and that's probably not fair, but it's also right. real. So you got to deal with it. Yeah. And I just did a lesson with my sixth graders a couple of weeks ago about, uh, um, how you portray yourself on social media. And I didn't realize that Finsta accounts, fake Instagrams were a thing. And that's oh, yeah, it. Absolutely. The, the kids really informed me that, Oh yeah. Finsta. Yeah. Everybody does that. Okay. Well, I guess I need to get on Instagram so I can realize that right. I'm on the other stuff, but that's just one I haven't been able to get into myself. Okay. So let's, uh, let's flip the table then and be like, the end of the career. Right. So a teacher that is heading into January of their final semester, how do you motivate them? How do you keep them on board with doing big things rather than just hitting cruise control and finishing it out? Well, that's on you as the leader, because if, if you're not in a spot where you're continually making sure that they have value till the last day that they're here, then that's your fault. So we got to figure out, like, you know, ask them, have conversations, realize the impact that they've had. Um, you know, those are big deals. And if you don't take advantage of the opportunity to help someone celebrate their final semester of their teaching career, then you have lost out on not only an opportunity as a leader, but as a person. Like this, these people have given their lives to education. Don't make them walk out wondering if they had an impact. Wow. That's deep. (laughs) Oh, I'm so used to, to hearing people say, you know, the things of trying something new, don't be afraid, but putting the onus on the leadership of the school, that is, that's 
that's critical there. Yeah. And that's not just for the people at the end of their career. That's are are all of our teachers being celebrated every single day right, right. like they should be. Well, and all those people that are retiring are going out into the world. And what are they going to say about you and your school district as they walk out? Because just yeah. retiring doesn't mean that they're going to be like in a house for the rest of their life. Like they're right. going to talk to people. They'll probably talk to more people. How many people do you know that retire and say, I'm busier now than when I worked? Well, the reason is because they're connecting with more people and having conversations with more people about what they did in their career. And at that point, what are they going to say about you? Are they going to say, well, last semester that they just kind of let me go and all of a sudden I just walked out and nothing really was done and I just kind of you know skated through the last couple months because COVID was here? Like That's not helping anybody. So what are you doing to help these people feel like they're engaged in the work. And there are times that I think we've done that really well. And there are times that I have failed miserably at that. Absolutely miserably. And it still gets me, you know, that I completely missed out on an opportunity to help someone celebrate their last, you know, six months of uh, their education career. It kills me. And it's my fault. It's 100% my fault. Yeah. Ouch. That's now I'm thinking back to all the people that did retire over the last school year mm -hmm. that, that, you know, we had some phenomenal ones that had, uh, I can think of one that had over 40 years in education and, and then, you know, it's heading into the fourth quarter of her final school year and we went remote right. and there was no chance to, to give that final I mean, we, we highlighted on social media, did everything we possibly could, um, given the situation. So how do we keep that from happening at any other point in time? Right. Um, wow. That's I something agree. we got to focus on as we, as we go forward in this final semester here. So awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time to do that. Um, is there any, Anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about? Um, you do have a couple books out there available. Where can people pick that up? And if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't. I don't think I really have any. Just, just don't don't forget that every opportunity, that every interaction is an opportunity to to build or kill culture within the context of your space. So if you just take it on that way, you're going to feel better about your day. And I, we tell our staff here to make sure that you do something that, that uh, starts your day with joy and ends your day with joy and helps you bring back, you know, come back the next day. So always keep those things in mind. I think you'll be better, but, um, just in terms of getting a hold of, of me, like just find me on Twitter and, and, uh, reach out and we'll connect. And if there's anything I can do to help out, we're always willing to help out. So, you know, I, I do those videos, those little, uh, one minute walk to work things. And at the end of them, I always say that we're all in this thing together. Well, we're all in this thing together doesn't mean we're all in this thing together when I feel like it's convenient for us to be in this thing together. You know, you want, you know, if you want a conversation or a, anything that we can do to help out, we're going to do to help out. We've kind of hopefully put ourselves in a position here to have um, some influence, meaning that in the, in our school district, we have incredible people and they're willing to talk to anybody too about their passion projects and the culture that they've built and everything that they're doing for kids and we just are, are really excited about what that work looks like. So if there's anything that we can do to help out, don't ever hesitate to ask. And that's one of the glorious things about educators. You know, we, it's not like the corporate world where we're keeping our secrets to advance ourselves forward. Um, we really are all in this together. Regardless of our zip code, we all have the exact same mission. Mm -hmm. So 
that's awesome. And Twitter is how I found you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so if you're not listening, if a listener's not on Twitter, hit the pause button, get on Twitter right now. Right. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, audience, as always, now it's your turn. Go out there and make it happen. Thank you for listening to the Magic Potion Podcast. This podcast was created using Anchor FM. Please subscribe and leave comments with your thoughts and ideas from the classroom. Until next time, get out there and make it happen.